Welcome to episode 99, the doorstep of 100 uh, of the Fitness Devil podcast. We have Megan Calloway and Lee Peel. So they're both presenters at the Evolve Strength Canadian Strength Symposium, September 14th, 15th here in Edmonton. So we're bringing our, uh, our speakers, our guests on for a series recently. And we talk about how the industry was a little different between when Lee gained prominence and more recently when Megan burst into a lot of uh, positive attention and success. We get into some of the thoughts on Megan's novel and innovative training style and walking a line between making it grounded in basic principles versus um, just attention-seeking and novelty for the sake of novelty. We also get into a healthy conversation about, we never talk politics, but the idea behind not getting too involved in politics as a, as a fitness professional or strong social ideological content, the dangers involved with going too deep in there. Yeah, enjoy the episode. Shut up and sit down. Hey everyone, we're back. We've uh, returned with two special friends today. They're both previous guests. So we got Megan Calloway and Lee Peel. And they're back and they're both presenting at our Canadian Strength Symposium. Um, I can't even talk today. September 14th and 15th here in Edmonton. Uh, and Lee has a long legacy of influence in our industry. And Megan is, is really breaking through to a bigger audience. We'll talk a little bit more about that stuff, um, especially with her, uh, her innovative work with her pull-up program, her landmine program. So welcome back, both of you guys. Thank you thank so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. I think this is like Megan's third time and Lee's second time. Oh, I got right? some catching up to you then. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know who's more important. Let's refer that way. What, you, what have you been up to, Lee? Since last, like it's probably been a year at this point. It seems like a yeah. Lot it's been a, it's it's been a minute. I know. Well, you know, it was it was before the uh, the first time I met Andrew, which was in Spokane. Uh, oh, yeah. So it was before that. Um, it's just been a minute. Uh, but yeah, I've been uh, I've been working on a lot of background stuff. Uh, a lot of a lot of reading, a lot of research, a lot of uh, writing. Um, mostly, I've been working on the the release of my uh, my book, Fat Loss Troubleshoot for Major Market Plug uh, 2020, Sweet. and um, that's just been a, a hellacious, humbling process. Um, and it's been amazing. It's been great. It's been diving into fat loss that I didn't imagine I could dive into it into different arenas or angles than I already have over the past 15 years. But yet somehow. Um, I still found ways to do it and to complicate the writing process of it, but um, it's it's been great. I'm I'm hoping to get close to finishing rounding it out. I'm literally going to the mountains for oh, like a week and a half and secluding myself and trying to finish out as much as I can um, to meet deadlines, which is uh, pretty scary. But yeah, so I've been doing that. A lot of background writing, um, but but some some uh, always working with clients. You can always you always can tell you've been writing because I don't know what hellacious means. So you've been like hitting the. What's hellacious? Mean? You don't know hellacious. You never heard hellacious. No. I, no. I, you know, I don't really think that that. No. I don't think that that speaks to my intelligence. That's... I think that speaks to my age and nineties-ism. Uh, no. I'm pretty that... sure that that's a word out of the nineties. What's it mean? It absolutely is. It's the sort of thing I grew up on too. So yeah, just he's a little younger. What's it? No one's okay. answering the question. What the fuck does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, I mean like like a, like like it's a really terrible uh traumatizing uh, event. So it's hellacious like hell 
Okay. An outrageous okay. almost. Yeah, like, outrageous. Yeah, like it's like hell meets outrageous. Okay, yeah. so that's the best um, definition. That's a great it's definition. It's awful, exponentially uh, magnified. <laughs> oh, man. I there you use go. that more often because like you sound so smart. I know you don't feel <laughs> like that, but like that's a good word. And then Megan, <laughs> you're coming off of uh, launching the landmine program. So we, we, last time we had you on here, we were talking lots about your pull-up program, which was massively successful. You sold it all over the world. So how did that go with landmine? The landmine, it was really good. It was really interesting. Um, with the landmine, I actually noticed a lot more men bought the program. <laughs> with pull-ups, I would say, I mean, I don't know exact numbers. I would say it's probably like 30, 70, so 30% male, 70% female. With the landmine, I would say it was probably at least 50% male, if not higher. A lot of coaches... Um, it was just a very interesting experience, a very positive experience. And I do, I really do think it's just the beginning for this program because um, a lot of people do not know what landmine training is. And it is still kind of becoming relatively, I mean, I think it will eventually become very mainstream, but right now it's still quite unknown. So I think for me, future sales, whether or not it's my own product or even other coaches who are promoting their work. I think it'll be even more popular than it already is now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's something that I feel like Ben Bruno is the guy who did a lot with it earlier on. Um, yeah. I saw him do a lot. And then there's obviously a few other people who delved in it. I've seen that, like the Cressy community, a lot of stuff come out of there with their shoulder training. Uh, and, I, and we know Dean Somerset has fooled around with that and a lot of other things along the way too. But yeah, you're bringing it more into the forefront right now. I actually think the reason why the pull-up program skewed heavily women is because I think you open the door to women being excited about it and being told, hey, we can do this. I think they're almost hungrier for the challenge and, and they understand, hey, wait a minute, there's a route here for, that we can do this because I think a lot of women just probably started assuming, well, I can't do a pull-up because I don't have the upper body strength, but you created a, a vehicle to teach them how to do it. So I don't think it's less about... Or it's, it's about men not being interested. I think you just really hit home with the women. I think the women just jumped on it. Well, even during the original launch, I kind of did target women a lot more. And then I forget if it was day three or day four, Lee suggested that I make a post telling men that this program is for them as well. So the second I shared that, sales to mm. men absolutely spiked. <laughs> and so after, I mean, during that launch and then after the launch, a lot more men have bought the program. But I mean, it's still, I don't want to say I targeted women, but I was trying to make women really believe that they can do pull-ups because so many still feel like they, they cannot do them. And I mean, even if you Google pull-up and look at an image, the majority of the photos you see are of men. And I really hope that changes. Well, I think there's two things going on there is one, people need to understand that women on average are greater consumers of fitness, everything. They spend more money on fitness stuff than men do. Um, and two, when you market exclusively to women or, or something that seems like it's marketed towards women, men won't buy it on average. So you yeah. seem to actually have navigated both of those things rather well. But then they saw Megan doing like 30 pull-ups. I can't. I can't do 30 pull-ups. Well, it was a lot. It was like 20. We, we no, I still can't time. do 20. What? 17. No, I mean, I haven't trained for a max number in a really long okay, time. Just because I kind of get sidetracked and I learn a new pull-up variation I start training for that so I rarely go for max reps and my max is only 17 only only See, and now I mean I've 
Lee, what's no? Let's let's ask Lee. I don't even know why you're a fitness Lee, professional. Lee, what's your max pull ups? Is it seventeen? Yeah, seventeen. I mean, I probably no Lee. <laughs> I was just comparing apples. That mine's not seventeen. I don't know. It's probably ten. But you also probably weigh almost twice as much as I do. Okay, I'll take that. You know what? I'll accept that. My lifetime best is fifteen. I couldn't do that now, so too heavy. Yeah, my, at, at my peak, I think it was fourteen. Really? Sure. Uh, okay. uh, but that it, weighted weighted was but, like uh, seven these, uh, with twenty five pounds. And these are like, That's awesome. These are legit though. They're not like we're not talking kipping ones. Cause I remember when I was doing football, no, no. I did like thirty four, <laughs> like as fast as possible kipping, not kipping, but like shit. I'm amazing at those. Yeah. <laughs> or the butterfly pull ups. Yeah. One of my favorite things is, so there was a butterfly. I've I've got a young hockey player. He's uh, going down to the WHL this year. just turned 17 and he's a goalie and this kid can do 14 pull-ups smooth as silk. And so I like tagging on Instagram stories, uh, a hockey player. He's in the NHL named Sam Bennett. He was, he was high draft pick. I think he was fourth overall, but there was a lot of buzz during the combine where they test all this stuff and he could not do a single pull-up. Not even one. So He was the first overall pick, I think. No, he was fourth. I'm pretty sure. he yeah. Wasn't he number one? And then he wasn't able to do one. And I then I believe the following year, he was able to do 11 or something. He might have. Sam was definitely I think he was like one, scheduled to be one or something, but then it was just like, this kid's weak. Yeah. He, he definitely <laughs> like, was real? not number one overall. I'm pretty sure he went fourth because he's a Calgary Flame, which is my team. So our Edmonton oh, listeners, there's a little something for you guys here. They actually grew up a Flames fan in Newfoundland. But uh, he hasn't really panned out to be particularly good either. So luckily they've got a whole bunch of other good players. But I want to ask you guys this before we, we spend another time. You don't want to talk time. about hockey more? We, I just, like we usually hockey. do that for the first like, can, 20 minutes. We can speak more often. It's hockey. obvious I'm on this show with Canadians. <laughs> yeah. We've had a few Canadians the last three shows. It's been hockey for like the first 20 minutes. <laughs> Um, yeah, Christian Thibodeau was out here with some hockey there. So one of the things I found really fascinating bringing you guys all together is so Lee, you've been prominent in the industry longer and I've always felt like you, you know, being a veteran of the industry, you know, you, you mentioned Helen Mirren is the comparison you made, uh, <laughs> but you made your mark in a different industry. Now, Megan, who's gained prominence much more recently, I think it's probably safe to say the last probably two or three years where your brand has really jumped up into the, into mm. focus. And have you guys ever talked about this? What do you feel is different about Lee at the time during the industry, what the industry was like when you grew and, and got notoriety versus what's happening now, what Megan's gone through? And are there any commonalities, timeless things that still matter? I think... Um... I think if I would have come to light in the industry, which, by the way, all of this phrasing is just Lee or old, Lee or old, Lee or old, just throwing it out there. Um, I'm older. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that if, if I would have come to light in this industry now, you know, if, if, if I decided to get online and be like, hey, I want to I get in this industry, I want to make my mark, I, don't, I honestly am not sure I'd have a chance in the world. Um, I really don't because it was such a different time uh, when I was part of the internet, the internet, I know it sounds a weird thing to say, but it was so much smaller uh, and it was so much easier to put content out and to be paid attention to. And I think it's why some people still are like, oh, you, you know, you're relevant or you're Lee Pill because um, it's kind of an old school thing, you know, that, that you understand that I, I was around a certain group of people during a certain period of time. 
And while I, I still think I'm one of the few that have survived it all and I still contribute and I, and I still care about my contribution in the, in the industry, it certainly, it certainly has switched gears to being, uh, less of a general population conversation focus in, in just in my personal life to more academia and trying to understand a different level. I'm kind of doing it in reverse from what a lot of people are doing it. Like if you look at someone like, you know, Greg, uh, you know, goals of, you know, stronger by science or things like that. He's gone going from academia to kind of exposing himself. That sounded dirty yeah. uh, to, <laughs> uh, to the world at large. Um, that's whereas, even worse. You know, I, yeah, I mean, I just, it's not getting any better. Um, everything that's coming out in there, and, you know, but, uh, uh, it's, it just, it just keeps happening. So I, I think, um, I think that I, I'm a very private person. I was always just kind of about answering questions and being about the work and being about helping people in a very back and forth dialogue. You know, I got, I got my start by debates, by answering questions. Uh, I'd probably be on Quora now. Um, you know, that, that would probably be what I, I, yeah. I in fact, I think about going on there these days. Um, and it's just, a, it was a very different way of doing it versus how, say, someone like Megan doing it. She's very big on social media, very big with videos, very big with all these kinds of things. And I don't I don't think either one's right or wrong per se, but I would have to say that I think hers is a lot a lot more uh, in your face, successful, and, and, and grows with a personality aspect. I do think, and I'll switch this over to her to answer, but I do think a really big common theme, though, um, as much as I hate to really ever separate to gender or to sex or things like that. I, I do think that people still appreciate and want to see themselves represented in the fitness industry. And I think that who I am as a woman or who I am as, as just a general weirdo, uh, it's, it's still appreciated um, as a representation in the industry. And I think that that's a, a kind of common unifying thread. Megan? My turn. Okay. Well, first of all, I mean, I wasn't obviously around online when Lee was for many years, something that I think is so timeless, something that absolutely is what Lee is all about, what I'm all about. We truly care about helping people. We're not just after the money. I mean, a lot of people truly care, but then you find a lot of other people who are in it just for the money. So I think people recognize that they trust us. They might want to work with us or they might want to just follow our content. For me, that has really helped me build my own audience. I guess, as Lee said, I do post a lot of videos. I post a lot of content with the content that I post. I mean, I've been doing it for years, but especially maybe over the past two years, it's been a lot more consistent. My content has improved a lot. And I guess my main objectives, I'm trying to empower people. I'm trying to educate them. And I think one area that I really do well at is I get people excited about training and just learning how to be able to do cool things or even just performing basic exercises like pull-ups. So I think that is kind of what I've been going for. I'm still improving at doing this every day, and I hope to become more and more, I guess, helpful and spreading my message and my brand. I think one thing you said there, even at the end, was like your content's really helpful. <laughs> like there's a lot of people posting landmine shit and it's crazy but like you, you literally are breaking it down so that someone can do it after watching your video as opposed to not knowing what's going on so that avenue seems to be panning out pretty well yeah well i like to try to do things i mean i like to think that my form in my videos is good and then some people learn really well by reading cues so i try to include a lot of yeah. cues in my videos 
And a lot of people have reached out and they've said that they feel like they're actually with me in person when they see my videos. And that is a huge objective of mine. And I mean, it takes a lot of work. It would be so much easier to just post videos, not write out the cues, but then I would probably not be helping a lot of people. I think something you do really well is it's still, it doesn't have the kind of polish flash that we're seeing with, again, we always use this sort of as a dirty term, but the Instagram influencer type that embraces a slightly different sort of approach to things. And I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's often a little bit more style rather than substance, whereas Megan, it's, it's very, very substance. But I think it feels very authentic. And that's going to draw in probably a smaller, but much, much, much more engaged audience, the type of people who will buy things versus the casual Instagram scroller who sees something that looks very, very polished, very, very curated, which I don't feel like yours is. And I mean that in a really goddamn good you, way. He's in a good mood today. He's really nice about polished and, and style. <laughs> but I, I think I think you and I think everybody knows what I mean in this, that that feels way more authentic, which is going to bring the right kind of follower and audience, someone who is going to comment, who is going to buy your stuff. Whereas I just don't see someone scrolling through someone who's got you know 250,000 Instagram followers that are posting uh, every second thing is bikini. Movie. And there you go here, you know, go buy my whatever. Um, well, the one girl couldn't, she, and I say girl, there's lots of males too, but she couldn't, she couldn't sell 10 t-shirts. Like that was the headline. She's a million yeah. followers and she's a fitness influencer yep. and she couldn't sell 10 t-shirts. Not that this is all about money, but clearly she's not helping people if they're not watching yeah. her stuff. No, well, I mean, I, I think a... we've all seen that marketing followers has nothing to do with sellability or trust. Yeah. No. Now, do you think, and this is actually kind of cool, we talked about trust and Megan building it. Do you think, like, was well, the internet was old, but when it was new and there wasn't that much out, was it easier to build trust because there wasn't that much stuff out there and you, you sounded like you knew what you're talking about? Like, does that make sense? Like, was Are it easier to build to trust? Yeah, Lee, for Lee. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, I just wanted to make sure I didn't, <laughs> Megan want, to, I didn't want to talk over that. Megan wasn't on um, the internet back then, remember? Yeah, you know, you could say, you could say it was easier to trust or you could say there was, uh, there was less checks. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, there's some truth to that, you know, um, I, I, I do believe that uh, a lot of the information that was put out uh, in, in the earlier, and I also think a lot of it was we were, we were kind of figuring it out how, how we were going along. Uh, even though it was the internet, it was kind of this, hi, it's this gigantic encyclopedia Britannica that you can kind of just browse yeah. and put questions in and ask. And, you know, I, I, I remember when Google happened, which is, you know, it, it's kind of a crazy thing to say, but um, I think we were all kind of figuring out how to navigate the world online and anyone who had the guts or the, <laughs> the hubris um, to, yeah. to kind of say, Hey, um, I know how this all works and I have opinions and I'm going to put them out on a blog. Um, you know, I had a blog spot for God's sake, uh, which is about a level up from a live journal, which is just, you know, it's, it's nothing. It, 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 but having the, I think almost having the guts to just kind of get involved in the technology of it and to say, I have an opinion, I have a voice. Here's, you know, what it is I have to say made you automatically a bit more yeah. of an authority, whether you honestly deserved it or not. Yeah. And I say that even, you know, with an open criticism for myself. Um, 
and I, I think it kind of made the the age of authority or the age of trying to build an authority on the internet a lot easier. And I think now, if I'm perfectly frank and honest about it, I think I while I do think we have a large league of influencers and and you know bikini and ab models or what have you all over the place and things like that. And but what you were saying was true about trust and marketing that you yeah. can't sell a T-shirt. I think that there's a difference between now that voyeurism aspect of yeah. the internet and and you have to work a lot harder to say, no, but I have an authority or no, I have something that deserves to be listened to um, because you might put up a comment and you're going to yeah. have, you know, five guys uh, or girls you know, coming along and saying, yeah, where's the study to that? That's a nice opinion, but how can you back that up? Or, you know, where are you getting that? You have a lot more people coming at you with the machine gun rat-a-tat-tat. Yeah. about the information uh, that you're putting out there. And I think that that's Im put us in a direction in which that is weeding out a lot more of the kind of uh, hy hyperbole and, and, and you know, dogmatic uh, kind of snake oil salesman of things. Um, that doesn't mean that there's still not a ton of it out there. It doesn't mean we don't still have all of those types of things out there. But I think at least in the fitness base and evident base and, and that kind of aspects of things, I think you see a lot quicker I think you see a lot quicker who knows what they're talking about and who doesn't. This mm -hmm. this is sort of jumping ahead a little bit <clears throat> because it leads to the next question we're going to talk about, so we'll go there. But I I think we get this idea that because of Instagram, because of social media, that there's a lot more slick and, and uncredible people, whereas back in the, quote, old days, the golden yeah. era of it, that everything was good. Uh, people complain about um, Photoshopping or what have you. Cosmo fucking Politan has been editing women's photos for a really long time. All these magazines have been doing this stuff. This shit's not new. And that was still very widespread. And there were still people hustling gimmicks and fitness bullshit, snake oil, you name it. And that, that stuff's been going on for forever. So it's probably magnified. It feels like there's more of it on social media. But this stuff was always there. So I think we forget that even, you know, 15 years ago when the internet was very different without the ubiquity of social media there were still the bad people who were selling bullshit well sometimes it was like whatever oprah was pushing like i remember dr. The time, oz. or dr oz but like when the talk shows were big like they would always get paid sponsorships and they'd be like they'd have like a five minute segment everyone in the crowd gets a free whatever and then like the, but that was the but that was authority because oprah is like fucking right at the top this might come across an unpopular opinion but i I struggle to respect Oprah because I think she's been a purveyor and peddler of so much bullshit for so goddamn long that people celebrate her as being this this great person. And I'm just like, you can attack Oprah. That's fucking Oprah's great. Oprah's been responsible for a lot of crap for a long time. So I'm not convinced that she's a bastion. We of just greatness. lost like all our female. <laughs> In the 90s. I will say she's done far more good than bad. I would agree completely, so I Megan. I love Oprah, so I'm going to stand up for her. But she did create Dr. Oz, right? She's responsible for oh, Dr. Oz. And so, you know, he's done a lot of harm. So. That's, that's true. Yeah, that's, I, that's tough. I, I think my point is that she's not... But it's like everything in the world. She's a good actor. She's not perfect. So she's a good actor, too. I think she got... Why are we talking about Oprah? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a case of you can be an amazing master in one field and, and a complete novice or, or emotionally open to things in another field. And, mm -hmm. and I, I think Oprah is a, is a great case of that. She obviously has never grasped the concept of her health or her diet. I don't, yeah. I don't think, I think we can say that. I don't, I'm not, I'm not I being agree. mean about it. I, I don't think she's ever grasped the concept of her health and her diet. And I think because of that, she's, voy she's sit that voyage through 
but in the public eye with every book she read to try to figure out her issues, it became the next great book. It became the next thing that for people to read and it became a thing and people could not, uh, you know, differentiate between, Oh, this is a woman on a self discovery journey who's trying to figure things out versus this is an expert. And I think that that's always a problem when public figures get involved in, complicated details of nutrition diet training i mean anything really well, you know, oh i'm going through cancer treatment yeah. here's my anecdotal to the cancer treatment and now you're a public expert on cancer you know it, it i think we see that all the time and and she is one of the leading figureheads of that. She's really she's open. A, uh, jordan peterson rose to prominence for the, the stuff he's wrote rose to prominence for and you know he's a contentious individual but him and his daughter especially promote keto uh, yeah yeah exactly. i think it's carnivore, carnivore, carnivore dieting right and they have no credibility in that realm whatsoever. It's it's oh. they're not experts. I actually am about to release something on my website today, and it talks about survivorship bias. And one of the things that I mentioned there is Tom Brady and this alkalinizing yep. diet, which is complete fucktard yep. bullshit. Uh, what else? There's Le- 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 LeBron James and his cryo stuff, which actually sort of is a little bit legit, but it's like uh, Michael Phelps and cupping and. People mistaking thinking that cupping was giving him some sort of an edge. No, he's Michael fucking Phelps. His, right. arm, his arms are down by his ankles. Like, he should be yeah. good at swimming. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's absolutely perfect. Like, he looks like a fish, kind of. Like they have, yeah, a dolphin. Yeah, he, like, he, he, he does look like a dolphin. These people were genetically gifted to do what they're doing. That they worked really bloody hard for a really long time. And they did almost everything else right. But then you get this one weird, quirky thing that they're popularizing. And everybody... Not everybody, but some people think, oh, this is the magic secret sauce. Like the year that the U.S. Olympic team showed up with all this kinesio tape all over them. Oh, yeah. And and there's not a study out there that's validated that works, that does anything. It does nothing. And I bought into it years ago. And when I was playing soccer injured, I literally was taped from head to toe in kinesio tape. And it did absolutely nothing. You would have looked cool, though. It looked ridiculous. But I I mean, I was so desperate to play that I was willing to try anything. And I mean, I probably spent a good hour before each game putting the stuff oh, awesome. on. I was always bad. jealous because, like, it reminded me of like like Viking shows or like when they have fight scenes, they paint <laughs> yeah. themselves. But like some of the CrossFit people look pretty sweet. Like, yeah. like I know like it kind of looks do. stupid, but like kind of cool. They're a beauty of neon and hot pink. Yeah, <laughs> and they look like like tribal markers. Some of them, they're like yeah. stars on Doing their shoulders. Doing their butterfly kipping pull-ups. Like a hundred of them. Yeah, at least a hundred per workout. Yeah. Um, okay, let, let's. We could probably go. Okay, let's go back to where we were. Yeah. But we didn't get off track at all. Not. Um, Lee, Lee, we're back to you. We won't call you old anymore. Um, <laughs> you she did. But who? She called herself old. We didn't okay, say shit so, about it. So then we could say it more often. Okay. You said it, so we can say it. Okay. You, you've seen like someone. Self-deprecation it, for me. It's, it's funny because Andrew writes these scripts, and this makes you look old. Um, you've, you've never seemed like someone to seek the limelight and certainly never compromised your integrity. Do you feel this is becoming less common or was it always an industry problem that's now more visible like with social media? Yeah, I mean, it, it does circle back to what we're saying. You know, I, I, um, I think when you, you look at any, like you look at U.S. history, for example, um, which is still relatively young. And, you know, there was a... a, a a period of time in which there was a type of journalism is called yellow journalism. I don't know because you mean Canadians. Yeah, so you guys don't know anything that, about that. Um, but, but essentially yellow journalism was, it was a uh, hyperbole daily mail type scare tactic, dogmatic journal. It, 
the lots of things that got posted in it um, were causes to, that you could find connected dots or unintended consequences to wars, to to the changes and the shapes of things that that we have today. And people people for a long time have been printing publications or saying things in manuals and passing them around and getting them hopped up on things and and leading the champion of of, of an era or of an ideal uh, ideology kind of thing. And diet and nutrition is it's just just the same thing as religion in that regard to a lot of people and and they follow it so hard so you know this is nothing new it's just on a grand scale global stage and and i think you know the saturation is absolutely a, a real thing it's it's not that it, it isn't it's just we're seeing it um being played out on a global market and we're a part of an era and we're a part of a time and, and in that aspect as a as an onlooker, I find it fascinating, and um, and it, and it's really interesting to to watch, you know, uh, to to be part of the social political time. But as a individual who is, you know, trying to get good information about fat loss and just general, you know, energy consumption in the body, it's a really frustrating uh, time, and it does feel like that I'm shouting even more against the void and the noise. Um, but at least, and I really mean this truly, at least I feel like that there's a lot more camaraderie. I look around and I see common sense things on my Facebook all the time or on my Instagram feed. I see, I see people who others might tout as being shallower Instagram people or whatnot that are saying amazingly great general pop common sense things that are going to actually help people. And you can either get mad about that or jealous about that or hate on that. But I, I, I I don't think it's any any more difficult to be trustworthy. I think if you're trustworthy, you're trustworthy. And I think that I think that at the end of the day, we're collecting more. I really do. I think we're collecting more. I just think that we're also combating more. Uh, and I think I think that that that's just as true as as it has been in the past. Dean got we had some weird noise outside, so Dean got spooked, and uh, <laughs> we went quiet for a second. Sorry, guys. Maybe <laughs> the listeners will hear that. And, like what the fuck was that? We had to or it was just a mic drop, you know? I mean, that's Maybe, that's, that's the playoff the moment of that. That's a very well put the well, other. I, I find, um, and I'll pay you a compliment here, Lee. As we're, as I'm listening to you, personally, like I find, with a lot of the guests we have, there's there's a lot of banter back and forth, and you have to really resist the temptation in, in life, especially here, to wait to be able to to say the next thing you want to say in response. But I find, especially when listening to you, it just, you really get immersed in what you're saying, the way that you deliver language. And often there's not much to add to it. It's, it's, there's a reason why you are where you are in the industry and have been so for a very long time. You know, you're someone I've held at a deep, deep level of respect for a very long time. And it is also why you were one of the two Americans that we included <laughs> amongst the roster. Both from North Carolina, by Both the way. Both from North Carolina, which so, like, so she, Knuckles pointed out as She's well. one of the only people you don't want to get your point across to. Yeah, so I've got to go now. Um, <laughs> I think I'm just going to end on that note. It was, <laughs> thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, what, do you, what does Megan think? Doesn't have Yeah, Megan, your thoughts on this. What do I think about what Lee just said or in general? Any of it. Any of, like, is this shit for real? Like, I don't know. Is it a problem or is it not? Does that make sense? I mean, I completely agree with what Lee said. And I find a lot of people, it applies to training, nutrition, everything. Rather than trying to follow the basics and kind of doing more common sense stuff, they're kind of looking for that next magic solution. And so because they're constantly chasing one thing after the other, they never achieve what they're trying to, like they never achieve their goals. And so me, I mean, I, 
technically am qualified to do nutrition, I am much better at training. So I kind of stay in my lane. I let people like Lee, who do much better work, I let her do her thing. And I send pretty much all of my nutrition-related inquiries to Lee. Just because for me, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this without coming across like a total ass. But nutrition is relatively basic and people do totally overcomplicate things. And for me, it is pretty frustrating. And I don't think I am the best at helping people, at least in terms of nutrition. So that's why somebody like Lee, I would send them to her in a heartbeat. Well, that's something. That's a really nice way of saying she doesn't want to answer those stupid questions well, over and over and over. <laughs> but that's exactly. But that's and what I was thinking too. Was like, yeah, the stupid questions. And then on top of that was was what Lee said about people are saying like we'll call it influencers, but just generally people that have a reach are saying the non-sexy stuff more, which is yeah. a positive. I'm seeing, and maybe it's just because I'm not exposed to it. But most people are talking about the common sense stuff because it's now scientifically backed or more pushed. So we're not having the same argument. We are having the same argument, but like calories in, calories out, blah, blah, blah. Like a lot of the stuff is like, you just need to eat less. And like that message I'm seeing way more often as opposed to like, it's it's your hormones or it's this or it's that. People are kind of grafting on less. I feel, like, I feel like the basic understanding of basic nutrition concepts is winning in the greater... It's starting to push back at I, least. I do too. At least push I, back. I do too. Because when I put out what got me quote unquote viral was that I put out a video measuring food. That was and amazing, that video. You know what I mean, though? Like, I mean, in a sense, like, and, and now it's uh, every other day I see, a, you know, a plate of 900 calories versus a plate of 900 calories. So they look almost the same. It's the oil, you know, whatever. You know, all these types of comparison photos, weight photos. This is what mayonnaise on a sandwich looks like with a tablespoon. And this is what it looks like if you ate it, you know, things like that. Um, And, yeah. and it was a very common sense approach to the application of simple nutrition. I think it's the uh, uh, the the applications that we're finding um, and weeding out like these you know quote unquote these like kind of troubleshoots and I do think that there's a lot more of that yeah. and sure for every of that there's another keto expert on the other side of things or another but even they you know, are um, like... you know, some sort of diet that came out of the the ages in which that didn't even exist with you know um, cauliflower pizza in support of it which is you know fine <laughs> but whatever they're, they're even getting but, better uh, though. They're talking about like the calories in cal like they're talking about balance now more than they because before it was all yeah. magic and now it's less magic. Like they're talking less magic than they were in the past. Yeah, and and that's where it's really led me and my interest and focus because it's like, okay, it's been fifteen years of the basic nutritional needs and yet these same people are having a problem achieving these basic nutritional needs. What's the problem? You know, yeah. what else is going on and for the, those that that didn't solve the problem for those that it wasn't just a lot of the noise and the confusion. So I find it a, 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 a great entryway into what I feel the next era of of uh, nutrition and metabolism understanding it mixed with psychology. And, and I think that it's it's great. Um, and, and I personally am one that's happy to see that kind of stuff all over my feed uh, to, to combat the noise. I think it'll, it, it is reaching critical mass. And, and I'm hopeful, like we talked about that. It just becomes a generally accepted thing in the, amongst the mass media general population sphere. And like you said, then it becomes knocking down all those other things like the psychology of it. I know something I've been really immersed in lately is uh, reading up and researching on sleep. And sleep has a massive role. And I think that's actually the next frontier. It's going to be a big one. Well, so. I was going to say exactly that. Like all the little stuff, like do yep. stuff that helps you with stress and sleep and whatever, eating, like, all that stuff is kind of hitting critical mass where more people are like even the fact that people are talking about sleep is 
insane to me, like in a good way. Yeah. It's, it's the most under-discussed, underutilized, important thing. Like if you turn around and say to someone, hey, I've got this, this, this supplement, this thing you can do that is going to dramatically improve your ability to build muscle mass, your ability to lose body fat, your energy levels, Creaking. and a whole bunch of other stuff. And people line mental up for health. Mental, mental, like health. mental health. Mental health. Yep. Long-term health, uh, improve the likelihood of not getting heart disease, cancer, uh, immune problems, diabetes in your blood glucose regulation. And a big one is Alzheimer's. There's a massive relationship with sleep and Alzheimer's. Oh my and, God, sell me that supplement now. What is it? And the answer is to actually improve. And it's not just as simple like, as sleep. No, as, as, no, no not, but it's true. It's not as much at only sleeping more, although that's a key component. It's better quality of sleep and more. This is probably the most powerful thing that people just simply don't do enough of. So I'm actually deeply immersed in it. I'm writing something about it. Uh, hopefully I'll get it out in the not too distant future. And I really want to push this topic to get people to talk about it more. Let's swing back to Megan, because we sort of dabbled on this just briefly earlier on, and I, and I like this idea. So you showcase a lot of novel and innovative trading ideas, but they're grounded in basic trading principles. And we see people all over Instagram doing really cuckoo creative, fucked up, stupid shit too. You also, <laughs> you also perform some unique feats of strength. Uh, how do you walk the line between marketing yourself as an expert in training uh, that benefit others, but not falling into doing novel things just for the sake of that novelty and completely missing your intended audience. I think the big thing with me and a lot of the innovative exercises that I share is just me putting my own spin on basic movements, kind of adding another layer to it. And this, I mean, even with my own training, when I'm with clients, this is something I only do some of the time. It's not like everything I do is innovative. But it has to make sense. It's something I obviously try out myself before I ever introduce to clients. And it is just really adding a small layer to fundamental movements. So it's nothing kind of outrageous or hellacious. I'm going to say hellacious. It's just very, it's kind of just putting a spin on something basic. And Twitter, funny enough, is a place where I see most of the, um, I almost said fucked up. I probably shouldn't say that. You said but I did. I said fuck. Oh, well. But a lot of the, the coaches who coach the elite athletes, and I don't want to go off on a big rant, but some of the coaches who coach the top teams in the world, the strength and conditioning coaches, I'm assuming it's because they kind of got in because they knew somebody. But this is where you often see people performing those kind of circus exercises where they make absolutely no sense at all. And I mean, I know I've seen LeBron James doing some of them. But of course, with him, I'm sure probably 99% of what he does is totally basic. And then he might just try like that 1% kind of might just be something fun, something innovative. But you see a lot of people doing this training where it does make no sense. And if you were to ask them why, they probably would not be able to tell you. So for me, like if somebody were to ask me what the purpose of the exercise is, I will always have a reason. And if I don't, I would never do it in the first place. You get on a really good point. And you actually basically said something I just said in this article I'm releasing today about LeBron. And, and I mentioned how he uses cryotherapy and I explained what it does and what it doesn't. But LeBron spends a million and a half a year on his body, his upkeep, his nutrition, his training. Like you said, you can bet that pretty much 95% plus of that is really sound, solid stuff. And there's probably like layer, things layered on top. He's also LeBron James. 
you know, someone else missing all these other basic principles and then thinking, oh, I need cryotherapy because cryo is going to be the, the thing that helps me get that much further. No, hell no. That's LeBron getting 1% that keeps him on the court just a little bit better. So, um, shit, there was something else. You're talk about the Browns? There was a couple of videos that have been circulating recently about football training. Uh, there was one guy who's <laughs> wearing some sort of weird device thing. And he's balancing on a BOSU ball and throwing this ball back and forth. I don't know if you guys have seen this. I'm not sure. I thought you were talking about the seven. I just saw it. Yeah. Is this soccer or football? Like football football or soccer? That was a football because he was throwing a football. Oh, okay. Sorry, he meant American football. Yeah, American football. Sorry. And then real football. Not football. (laughs) And then this is a little different, but there's a video that's been circulating with a high level football player. It's the Browns. The Browns, and he's squatting, and his knees are in valgus, and it's like quarter range motion squat. And it, I mean, the fact that someone is coaching NFL level players and doing that's this, at their facility. That's that's, in, that's terrifying. I don't know. I, I've seen this in hockey as well. Yeah. And where I, I mean, I do follow a decent number of European soccer players just because I'm really interested in how they train. Some of what they post, it is absolutely mind boggling how poor it is. Mm. And like, it just, none of it makes any sense. And recently it was kind of funny. One of the players, he's one of my favorite players in the world, Sergio Ramos. I don't know if any of you know who he is. No, he's pretty good though. He's always one of the best in the world. He's a defender. He plays for Real Madrid and then for the Spanish national team. He posted a video of himself doing pull-ups and I couldn't, like I normally, I never comment below videos No. and I just, promoted my pull-up program i'm like hey if you want to check out my program here it is and then i went to the google the analytic app and the traffic to the site was through the roof because he has he has millions of followers but of course i mean nobody bought and he never responded but just the fact that he is working with a in quotations high level strength and conditioning coach and he is performing pull-ups it would be a perfect example i don't know if you guys have kind of seen my good form bad form videos yeah, oh yeah, lots of them. Oh my god, the bad form ones kill me. Like, I really do not like doing them. So he was a perfect example of the bad form for the pull-ups. Just like no lumbar pelvic stability, his range of motion was terrible, he was not allowing his shoulder blades to move. Pretty much everything I teach to not do, he was doing. And so a coach, I mean, granted, our clients, they might do stuff when they're not with us that we probably do not approve of. But somebody at that level should know better. At least that's my opinion. They don't. I don't know. Athletes are just good at playing. Like like with <laughs> well, like with that guy, he's gonna be good no matter what he does. Same thing with like a broad. So it's like you get these strength coaches in, it's hard to know what's doing what. Like their job is literally not to fuck them up, which like you said, if they're doing that, it's like Jesus Christ. You literally just have to make sure this dude doesn't get hurt and he's gonna be pull up doing like that. Yeah. Well, one thing that has been really interesting, many, many years ago, I forget if it was Instagram, it was somewhere on social media, and I looked at what the U.S. national women's soccer team did with their training, and it was stuff that I probably would not, like, I don't want to say it was bad, but it was definitely not as effective as it could have been. Now, when they have the same strength and conditioning coach, I have watched a lot of their videos, I have seen their training and how it has evolved. She is now probably one of the top strength and conditioning coaches in the world. The way she trains them is super effective, and you can see it on the field. You can see how much stronger they are, how much fitter they are. And they're even saying that is kind of what sets them apart from the other countries. So once the other countries 
they start improving their strength and conditioning, the U.S. is going to have to step it up in other areas or the other teams might pass them on the field. Yeah, they're, uh, they have a really good run of things. I know there's, we don't get too usually into these topics, but there's actually a fair bit of controversy around the team and some of the stuff with the players. And there's two very polarizing sides and people are really upset yeah. about some of the conduct. Have you other... seen my page? Yeah, uh, I've seen you post <laughs> Speaking of that, so. I shared an article. <laughs> I innocently shared an article yesterday. Megan Rapino, mm-hmm. general theme of the message is love more, hate less. Yeah. And so most of the people, they kind of got the message, love more, hate less. Then there were some people, I don't know most of them, and they, I don't want to get into politics nope. too much, but they obviously really, really like Donald Trump. So this article completely triggered them. So some of the comments on the page, I did have to delete some because they were just terrible, but they were out, absolutely outrageous and they are just totally missing the big picture. And they're calling her out, talking about how narcissistic she is and oh, how hip- hypocritical she is. And I wanted to say, and this is kind of where I'll end it because I don't want to get too carried away. The biggest narcissist is probably the person who is leading the country. But these people are so fixated on Rapino and her having... Don't wanna, don't Sorry, that was my one time. I don't want to get too political. That's the one thing I'll say. That is but the But I'm just like, they're overlooking everything and are focusing on her. So I'm just like, what, can't you just love more I, hate I, I will, less? I only know about the money. I'll quickly, I'll quickly summarize. There were sort of two things that happened. One is... So a reporter asked her before they had even won if she would attend the White House if she was invited. Oh, no. She's like, "Fuck no!" Or, yeah. That was January, though. That wasn't yeah. recent. That was months ago. And they got and more they, they brought it out. Yeah. But the people, yeah. the people on my page who were extremely offended because she said the f word. Yeah, like who cares? And, eh. Like, fuck you off. guys swear every second, and like every other word, you guys are like, swearing. Like, if she doesn't want to go to the White House, and I are offended. Like she plays soccer, she doesn't want to go to the White House. Like, this this, is, this has very little to do with, and, and this is where I'll take this really quickly. This has very little to do with the individual actions of these, because people who follow very, very far left or right spectrums, and they're both absolutely equally guilty of this stuff. It's not just one or the other. When they see someone of the opposing ideological spectrum who does something that. It, it has very little to do what, what, with what they've done and has everything to do with the fact that they are the ideological opponent. And then they will manufacture these things. And inherently, they're usually fairly hypocritical in their criticism of the other side for what they've done. And each side tends to think that they're the moral high ground and therefore they think the other side is a bad guy. And this is actually why, and I'm a strong believer in this, especially for emerging fitness professionals, people who are really established can probably get away with this stuff. But emerging people, stay away from social ideological stuff and stay away from politics because you can turn around and alienate half of your potential audience. And you know what? In in America, if you've got someone who has very, very socially left views, Republicans still want and need to lose weight and they might actually make great customers. So I don't know if if you're really, really interested, like you guys said, about helping people first then I think you have to make a very, very careful choice if you want to wander into these kind of things because it becomes very polarizing very, very quickly. Yeah. And, and I mean, I never share anything no, political don't. on my page. And I, when I shared the article, I didn't even think of it as that. I just thought, oh, like, I mean, obviously I'm a huge fan of Rapino and I do like that team. Mm-hmm. But the whole love more, hate less, I think that is a pretty important and universal message. And that is what I took from that article. So I was pretty surprised when I read some of the comments. And I mean, I probably shouldn't have said what I said about a certain somebody just okay. on air, it's, but it's honest love too, right? more, hate less. That is 
honestly what matters. Well, that honestly, this <laughs> this goes into the same thing we're talking about with social media and the internet changing and stuff. Where you can post something like that, and it can just go crazy. Like that wouldn't have happened on your fucking blog in nineteen ninety eight. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't enough people that even knew how to use the internet to go on there and like start going crazy. Like it's just nuts. Like you have to delete and, stuff now. Yeah, these are people I don't even know. So these, I mean, they must be people who follow me and then never engage in any of my posts. But this post, apparently, they really felt the need to engage. Well, they're just waiting. Like, that's why I don't post anything political. I'm like, that's why you stopped. Because, like, literally, people are just waiting to say something. Here's here's something that I've actually found. I think this might be worth, you know, for everybody to individually explore. If you notice that you post content, post content, post content, and then suddenly someone who's been on your social media feed for a while who never likes never comments positively and then they see something to disagree with and then they then they say something negative then they sort of it's either a direct or it's a mild passive aggressive attack that to me is a signal that that person probably isn't doesn't necessarily like you or they're just kind of there they're not really? a fan they're not somebody good so you know what don't cater to them either they're, they're not. totally and, and those those things will be rare um, and I won't say specifically what, but more recently I've had an individual <laughs> who never poked comments in any sort of constructive way, but then in one case manufactured, and then the other case just took a slightly different view on a topic and went and tried to post in a way to kind of knock me down a notch and to argue with me. And I, <clears throat> I didn't turn around and engage directly. I just kind of defended my viewpoint. And I lost a lot of respect for the individual, but I also realized this is not someone who is a positive supporter for my work. And once you file them away as that, then they don't affect you at all. Yeah. And I mean, I always try to be respectful. If somebody has a different opinion, that is totally cool. But if they converse in a way that is respectful, I will give them the time of day. If somebody's rude, if they're hateful, if they attack me or people on my page... I will either unfriend them or block them. And I have no time for people like that. And I mean, I do always try to be professional and polite. And I think I do a pretty good job of that. Absolutely. And I think you're one of the better examples of someone like you talk about who stays within training knowledge, is really, really focused on that. And you don't veer out into these other contentious realms. And it's, yeah. it's crazy. It just shows how you posted something that's innocent and positive. However, you posted something of an individual who has become a lightning rod and has been embraced by the ideological left and demonized by the ideological right. And therefore, even that image is going to, quote, trigger the people who are offended by this. And it's this culture of everybody being offended by everything. Next time you need a link for your pull-up program, at least you'll (laughs) (laughs) There's more traffic. I should give it to her to follow. And then, I mean, I'm sure I'd probably drive away thousands of people. Or, but then I probably gained thousands of people exactly. too. Exactly, and that's the trade-off you have to ask yourself: is is that worth it? And in some cases, it may very well be, and in some cases, it really may not be. So, that's an individual question. I think it also depends on the realm you're in. I'll use a good example, and I think these guys are the smartest at it, and they've openly said they don't go near politics, it's Cressy Sports Performance. So, the, Tony's no longer part of that, but you know, Tony, uh, I don't know Eric personally, I know Pete Dupuy, and these are good guys. Right? And I don't know their politics, but I'm going to guess that they probably are socially conscious individuals with good values. And they are coaching uh, a lot of young athletes that come from all over the Midwest, all over the South, and all over you know, the United States. 
I don't think they would benefit very much by assuming that they in fact were more left-leaning politically, which I don't know that they are, by posting a lot of this sort of stuff on their media, the parents of a lot of these kids who are going to be their customers, who, these are kids who want to be better at baseball, who want to be healthy. It, it has nothing to do with politics. I don't know, man. With Therefore, baseball. it would make no goddamn sense for them to air anything that is socially or politically charged because they're going to end up offending the direct base of their clientele. America likes baseball. To no benefit. To exactly no benefit. They like baseball enough. They'll send the Cressy. No. No. <laughs> For if, sure. If people are politically Americans love baseball. strong in their belief, they will probably not give business to someone who supports the opposing side. So stay the fuck out of it. And they've been smart about it. But I think that's an example of a place but where they should. Today is the best because like we've literally gone off topic and it's like in the best places. <laughs> I'm so happy that you guys are here. It's been fun. Lee, you've been kind of quiet on this topic, so let's let Lee decide. <laughs> I have it. no idea why I'd be quiet on this topic. <laughs> I have no idea why. No, I stopped. I did last election. I stopped posting any political things whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Just I just stopped. I just stopped poor because um, it was alienating my audience. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I I I, I have differing or, or not changing or growing political, ideological, sociological thoughts. Uh, in fact, I engage quite frequently with those that oppose me on a regular basis, <laughs> um, and I do so for learning and knowledge. And and I now I just do it privately. I just do not engage whatsoever. You know, something like the Megan Rapinoe thing. She's a figurehead for uh, the the quote unquote far or raging left, just as much as. Jordan Peterson is a figurehead for the raging and quote unquote far right, you know, and you post up anything. Oh, I read 12 rules. It's a great book. Racist. What? You hate transgender people. I just read 12 rules of chaos. What the, I don't understand. It's a great book. That's crazy. Hate less, love more. You know, it's the same kind of thing. And people are walking into a minefield or a battlefield of of things. And there really are innocent moves that these, you know, poor Joe Blow is just making. He's just like, I just really like the book. Yeah. I don't know. I made my bed today. It was great. You know, and then and, and you have people entering into it, and and um. So I I stay away from it now. I I, yeah, I stay away like from me. it. It's it's good for business. <laughs> uh, it's good for my clients because it's it's right now I'm in a very uh, unselfish place. It's not about me. It's about my clients. It's about the people I'm trying to help, and and so I'm just trying to serve them as much as possible. I think that I've thought this privately or in private conversations, but <clears throat> I think this says it well. Oh, no. At a certain point, uh, a fitness professional has to decide, are you a fitness professional first or are you yep. an activist first? Yep. And we have <laughs> a few people in our industry <clears throat> who have chosen to be activists first. Yep. And there are some people who walk the line and their morals are good. They're not extreme. But I'll be honest, both with the far left and the far right people in our industry, some of whom are on my Facebook, who've chosen activism... <clears throat> I, I can't deal with them. I find both sides of it to be really unpleasant to watch. And I don't feel like, I also really don't feel like these individuals who've chosen activism are successful with their fitness careers on both sides of it. I have found that that is the majority of the case as well, that, that the more that you dive in into trying to read and 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 i and i was saying this to a a friend of mine who i don't agree with and and i we we bang heads in the aspect of of our um political um spectrums or our sociology spectrums and i said you know if you spent half as much time reading studies and reading the things in the fitness industry that have to do with growing your you know even just marketing and growing your business as you do reading the transcripts of of a of a hearing or of some sort of thing that's going on in the political arena, 
uh, I think that your your business would grow like in an instant because you have the looks, you have the strength, you have the abilities, you have all these things. And yeah, I don't know if they took me seriously or not. I don't know if they took it to heart, but they've kind of been shifting their gears a little bit. And and I really I really think that if you put that energy and that effort into something, and this is what I and the aha moment for me was if I have and I don't mean it to sound bad, but if I have money. And if I have power and if I have ability to affect things, then I can make change. I can make change. You know, I can do that. It, what good does it do me reading arguing points on Jezebel or on BuzzFeed or on, you know, Daily Beast or whatever? Like, what what good is it me reading counterpoints unless I'm deciding to go into politics? Like, mm-hmm. and I'm not. I'm not deciding to go into politics. I am, however, deciding to make charitable donations with my money. I am, however, deciding to contribute to the world in a functional way. So why don't I work on just making my money and putting my head down and helping people with the things that I'm good at and leave um, short term, in my opinion, and I say this is to myself as well, impulsive political um, activities to other people. Mic drop, 100%. I'm freaking out over here on camera because you stole exactly what I was going to say. I agree with you 100%. He stole, he stole it. it. I was going to say Mike Isertel is on here talking about it and he's like, I have a PhD in like I'm pretty smart. Like I read a lot of stuff. He's like, it would take like another PhD to be that informed on some of these politics. Like that's how much time they're wasting. And like, that's, that's a big, he's like, it's so hard to like be informed on this stuff that your time is better spent. If if, if what you want is to be successful in fitness, like it's a lot of work. I also think that yeah, it, you can't, you can, and that, that kind of goes back to, and I'll just say it real quick, you can't fake it like you used to. No. You know, it's not, smart. it's not just like, oh, um, you know, eat it, eat four to five meals a day, um, do <laughs> this, this hit uh, exercise program and you'll be good. No, you're, you're, you're playing. I, I think we're being elevated to a much bigger league that we're all playing in. And so you better spend your time reading the studies or you better spend yeah. the time learning your articulation or your writing or your marketing or whatever. And in my opinion, get the hell out of the politics because it's not serving you anything. No. Yeah, but people. Yeah, sorry, to oh, sorry, Lee. I yeah. just interrupted Lee. I was going to say people do try to do everything and then they spread themselves too thin and then say they do focus on the politics. It can take away from their ability to perhaps learn more to help themselves in fitness to create content. By focusing on the one, it really can take away from the other. At least if you try to combine them. So that's why I do try to keep things very separate. And I mean, I don't regret posting that article yesterday because it was done totally innocently. And again, love more, hate less. I'm going to keep saying that. But I did not expect that response. And that is exactly why I stick to fitness. And I don't really talk politics publicly. This has been a great conversation. Like We usually stay away from politics, but I don't think this is about politics as much as it's about a philosophy and approach to your business. And I think this may be one of the more valuable conversations to anyone who's listening to this. I certainly feel this when I see our industry and some of them are our friends or the acquaintances we have in our industry, when they spend a lot of time on this back and forth, and there's the same people always doing this stuff. It screams to me that they do not, they're not busy and that they're not necessarily that successful with their fitness business. And I think like you said, you take all that time and effort and you put it into things that will actually help you be successful. You're going to be a lot better off. And then if you are super successful, you have the time and the resources to do positive things as opposed to, and I'm going to use a term here that gets a little bit of virtue signaling on social media. And I find a lot of it just ends up speaking into an echo chamber. And then it's just a big circle jerk of people who agree with you 
And yeah. that just, it, I don't And, and I'm not it. saying that that can't have its own networking value and, yeah. and that mm-hmm. that can't be its own thing. I mean, it, it can. And, and also everybody has hobbies and everybody has personal interests. I mean, I have friends that absolutely kill. I mean, they kill in this industry. They kill people? That, that, um, you know, it's politics and, and staying politically involved and politically informed is their hobby. It's yeah. it's their music they listen to. You know, it's their it's their movies that they watch, if you will. And and they are absolutely on top of their business game and in their politics games. I just think that that's rare. I think that that's rare. And I think that most time you just end up going down the rabbit hole of the Internet. And that's not a good thing to be. Not for your business. I agree. Let's Let's go to the reason why we actually had you guys on right now. So we have been on a... <laughs> not to talk about anything. Let's not talk about politics. We forgot about what you're here for. <laughs> we, we timed this to pull you guys together because you are presenting here at our event here in September. So September 14th, 15th in Edmonton, uh, the Canadian Strength Symposium. And we were really proud and excited to have you guys. So when we sat down, uh, myself, Dean Somerset, Dean Guido here, um, Evolve's owner, John Chung, and Hannah Gray, who's also one of our presenters, we were banging about ideas. So a bunch of names came up really, really quickly. Uh, and, you know, yours were two of the very first names that popped up. And we've got most of the people that we had originally set out to. Um, we would have loved to have had a John Goodman, probably too busy this year. So we'll maybe see if we can squeak him next year. He's a guy who travels a lot. But we were really lucky. We got pretty much everybody. And then one person who we originally targeted turn around and kind of made some demands that weren't exactly nah, aligned. No, just shut up. <laughs> and uh, it actually worked out for the best. Mm. We, we got a great... <laughs> like we got a great not me. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. We, we got a great line ahead of it. It actually worked out perfectly. So, But um, we're really proud to have both of you guys. So I wanted to see what you guys thought about... Like, you've been around these events for a long time. And, and Megan, you've gained experience more recently doing a few of them. Um, what do you feel about the value of attending these events for your career or anyone's career? Um, yeah, you go first, man. Okay. I was going to say for me, I mean, it's been huge just learning from different people, different backgrounds. I've really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to presenting and kind of growing myself in that area. And this year I'm really excited because I think in Spokane, I mean, in Spokane, it was largely for me, it was like a lecture based presentation with some practical I think I did the best by far in the practical components. So I know this year, I believe, I don't, will I have access to a slide machine? That we should. Um, I think, okay, I, I wasn't think we'll quite have, sure. We should have a projector. So, like, some of the logistics. Or a projector. Yeah. Sorry, slide machine. Yeah. I, was just, I'm just, I was like, what's the slide machine? Now you're dating yourself. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. that is really. We, we have to turn now off. You're like, the old one. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I am older by about, I think, six months. And the, then Andrew's the oldest. I'm the oldest. I'm 41. So I will point so, that yeah. out. Andrew's the oldest. Like, do we have to print <laughs> off the clear things with the letters on them? Like, that, those are expensive, <laughs> though. <laughs> So, so what I was going to say before I got sidetracked about the slide projector is I'm very excited that my presentation is going to be more practical because I find I am the best at teaching versus lecturing. So I do think I'll be able to make a bigger difference. And then I am just really looking forward to seeing people like Lee, Dean Somerset, Greg Knuckles, Lee Boyce, all of the other people and just learning from them. So I think that's about all I have. But I mean, attending these conferences is so important and I think that everybody if they can do it should make a point of attending at least one if not more per year yeah I I mean I agree I I think that um I think one of the things about these kinds of things and and it and it goes back to all 
all that we see in, in not only business development, but personal development is you put yourself in the room with people in which that really elevate you or that you, you try to attempt to elevate you. And, and, uh, I know that for myself, I I'm, I'm really personally excited about the talk that I'm doing at the conference. It's unlike any talk I've ever done before. Um, I'm presenting something publicly that, uh, you know, I'm, it's exclusive, if you will, to the conference and, I'm I'm really stepping up my my game in in a certain kind of department of of how I'm going to do things. So um, if that's not a reason to go and buy tickets, then you know get your tickets now. Um, <laughs> but but I but one of the reasons that that I I'm doing that and then I continue to do that is because I I believe that there's a degree of which if you want to be raised by your peers and if you want to be elevated by your peers in that regard that this is just such a great way to do it and and you elevate your work and you elevate how you help your clients and you elevate how you do the things that you do and I don't think that it's all just for um, for, you know, show or networking or, you know, trying to have some sort of, you know, there's been a lot of talk for years about all these things, you know, they're just parties or they're just, you know, there's just an after event of, of trying to build up your followers and network and circle jerking. And it, I really don't think that it is that it can be that, of course, it, it can always be that in any sort of conference based industry. But, um, I really think especially something like this event, you're, you're really going to come away knowing a different level of, of education on topics and also being connected with people that if you continue to socialize around and, and network with, it'll, it'll raise your level and, and your, um, your expectations of yourself. It's, it's good competitiveness and it's good learning. And, and I mean that both in the most positive of senses that it can be for internal competitiveness, not necessarily uh, external. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, you... Oh, I was just going to say, it does totally make you want to be better. Yeah. Step up your game. At whether or not you're just attending. And then obviously if you're presenting, that is an entirely different experience. And I mean, I know for myself, when I presented in Spokane, that was the first time I had done a presentation since university. And public speaking, I mean, I know I've talked about this pretty openly. Public speaking has always been one of my biggest fears, almost bordering on a phobia. And I, after university, I pretty much swore that I would never do a presentation again. So the fact that I did the one, got it under my belt, it went okay. But now, I mean, I am truly excited to do this presentation. I don't feel nervous and I do just want to keep growing. And this is a perfect chance, I guess, to kind of make myself better and push myself outside of my comfort zone even more. I was there for that. You know, and, and you did really well. Again, like you honestly, like you said, you, you could tell that you, it's new to you, you're nervous. And it probably doesn't, it's not fair to have to present uh, in the same conference as someone like Chad Landers, who's <laughs> such a polished and tear-jerking sort of guy when he uh, when he delivers his stuff. But you know, it, it takes a lot. It get, you got to be pretty brave to get up on that stage, and it's not something that I could imagine feeling comfortable with. And you know, when we did this this whole idea of this this event, I mean, I know people who've started their own conferences so that they they could get an opportunity to present. That was not in my. He was the guy that had the issue with the terms. But so I was more interested in grabbing up people. He's like, who I, I only want to be. Deserve the like, I got to be the first presenter, and I was like, we're all like, no, <laughs> you can't. Hell no, I want to no part of that whatsoever. Um, you know, if if it turns around that someone ever asks me to do something like that, because you know my career's done pretty well, and I'll go back to the whole thing you were saying. I think one of the most important things I ever did was go to that first Kansas City Fitness Summit. So it should have been three years ago now. And that just changed everything for me. And a lot has exploded since then. You, you see where the bar, like, I don't know, like, the competitive things struck a chord with me. Because 
you see where you stand in a good way, like good or yeah. bad, and you, you can see where the bar is because hopefully if you go to these things, there's people who are doing things well, and it's very evident when you see them speak or even when you see them as like people in the crowd who like you can tell the people hold themselves a little bit higher and it's, it's hard to find those models, those role models if you're stuck in wherever you're stuck in. So when you have all the best people kind of come around the, these things, you can see a lot of things that you're not necessarily exposed to. Like, there's a lot to learn just being around them because they're yeah, not all on the internet. Yeah. And if you're an individual that's willing to do some self work and, 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 and have a, some awareness, you can literally see like, who do I feel comfortable talking to? Ooh. Who do I, who do I feel comfortable walking up to and saying something to who, who do I, um, who am I maybe checking myself a little bit with and, and where I feel that I line up. And to me, and, and it's not as, it's not like keeping up with the Joneses things. It's not like a status thing. It's got nothing to do with any of that kind of stuff. It, it has to do with like, you know, my own, self growth and, and, and my own ability in myself. And I'm like, you know, do I, am I, can I elevate it again? Can I elevate it again? Can I keep pressing those boundaries of comfortabilities? And, and it's, I, I don't feel like that you get that same thing behind a keyboard being safe at home. I just don't, sorry. You know, I think it's, it's, it's the safe place. And I think that you got to stretch those boundaries of the comfortability and it's, you know, it's, it's important. So yeah. I mean, well, I was going to say, go. Bye. Like when like, I see somebody like, out, guys. Well, I was gonna say, like when I see somebody like Lee Peel talking, Chad Landers, Nick Tuminello, I'm just almost like, not, I don't want to say starstruck, but I'm just like, wow, I want to be good like that. And it makes me want to be better. So I do think if people hope to present one day, even for that reason alone, attending a conference would be so beneficial. And then, of course, all the amazing information you're going to get out of those presentations. But seeing people like that, because I mean, I am obviously quite amateur when it comes to presenting. I want to be like somebody like Lee or Nick or Chad, like who are amazing at presenting. You, and I hope to one day be like that. I'm sorry. Uh, you mentioned Nick. And actually, this is worth pointing out, too. So um, this first time I met Nick and I've read Nick's work for a very long time. Nick's been on our podcast and a prominent Teen Nation writer, amongst other things. And we got to talking at, I think, the dinner there. We sat down and... Once we got to talking, he really pushed me and encouraged me to write more. He just, he just took a liking to me. He's a really nice guy. We hit it off. And that was one of the things that got me to do a bit more, a bit more. And then I also, before that, I think it was a year prior, I was in a different event. And I sat down and was hanging out with Max Shank. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Max, but he's been around a while. He's a good guy. And so, again, same thing. He sort of gave me some pushes, too. And that sort of stuff was part of what got me writing, for, get my website done, writing for my website, which turned into the opportunity to actually write for the same publication that these guys and a lot of other people I've looked up to for a long time had written for. And that probably doesn't happen if I don't go to these events and start meeting these people. So I think it's also worth mentioning too, is don't be afraid to go up and say hi to and meet the presenters. Meeting the people who are also attendees is super important. But I, I found 90% of the speakers at all these events I've ever gone to are really down to earth, normal people. Lee is pretty unapproachable because her vocabulary puts a lot of people <laughs> on a different level. So I, will... <laughs> uh, I know what's funny is the last conference I went to, I spent pretty much the whole time hanging out with, and, and I, I don't, I don't mean this to sound as, oh God, I'm, I'm so modest. I'm so down to earth, but I, I spent my time hanging out with my members from my group that, you know, clients and people that came just because they were coming to support and to be not, you know, I'm, there's nothing about, me that's unapproachable. I mean, Andrew's such a prima donna, so don't even bother going up and talking to him. I, I mean, he's just all about, 
you know, do you want to sign some? I'll sign this for you. You know, I've seen it. You've seen the article? I'll sign it. Well, I was going to, I was going to say Lee brought an entourage to Kansas City. You had an entourage (laughs) with you. It did seem like that a little. It wasn't. Someone said that to me and I'm like, no, it wasn't They're they're actually really sweet. I got to talk to The secret is they're at every conference. So she played off. (laughs) They have like a secret group chat. I pay them. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they'll be in Edmonton. We'll know if they are. We'll know for sure this is like a thing. <laughs> there might be some. It's a smart idea. We haven't we haven't read the rider that you uh, yeah. you have for your appearance. If I know that we have to pick all the green M and M's out of the bowl, oh yeah, you have I am that person. The, uh, I expect it. You have yeah, to have like your own area with a velvet suite. rope yeah. cordoned off from everybody else. So we'll we'll deal with that as it comes. Let's. Uh, no, we won't. That'll <laughs> not be dealt with. <laughs> She's not getting her M and M's taken out. Eat your goddamn green M and uh, yeah, maybe one of you guys read something really good recently that you wanted to share with everybody. Yeah, yeah, I saw you. I, yeah, I, I read. I read all day long. I think honestly, right now I'm in between this. I, I have a phone call and then I have to do like a writing thing. And right now, I, it's the most boring topic probably ever. But I've I've been reading a lot about fermented um, fungus and and mycoproteins um, because of that. I don't know if anyone saw a study came out about. Uh, microproteins uh, being twice as uh, effective at no. building muscle mass what? than um, than milk protein. There, well, there was a there was a recent conference that the I, I want to say it was the um, the ECSS. I think I'm saying that right. E- ECSS in in Prague, and so they released a study talking about microprotein ingestion stimulating like protein synthesis more than than yeah. uh, milk protein, and it's supposed to be two times. And so all these articles came out. Yeah, two times as powerful corn. It's the corn. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like fake meat, corn meat. Um, and and so uh, in the vegetarian vegan world, it's a very big deal. Uh, so I've been I've been really diving even heavier into understanding the fermentation and brewing process of microproteins, and and uh, it really makes you never want to eat it again. <laughs> is it true? I it's like it's mold, you know, like it's, it's the grossest thing ever. And I eat it for the record because you know I'm a, I'm a vegetarian, but um, it's just really gross. But it's it never it goes back to something that actually is relatable. Maybe someone might care about listening to podcasts instead of microproteins. Um, you know, it just goes back to the spin. You know, the article spin or journal spins of of releases of of uh, a study came out and then it's it's been press released into a company until the far reach of heavens can just die from it already. And it's it you know it goes from a proper academic study to you know the Daily Mail uh, and 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 that kind of thing and hashtag fake or whatnot but uh, it's, it's always an interesting spin to see how the how the studies come out and i love it when it happens in real time and i get to watch how it kind of uh, goes about it's always an interesting thing they sound interesting Should we yeah. so is this powder form then this fermented protein um, what it's what it is it's a mix of protein and fiber they layer it in strands um, to, to kind of build the structure of fake meat you know like I don't know if you've seen like corn the products like chicken nuggets or it's it, they do have it in Canada I don't think I don't I'm know just trying to have. picture it like I was thinking um, more of a powder based stuff but so it's like solid. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like fake meat. It's like instead of soy, fake meat or wheat gluten, you know, uh, fake meat or what have you. It, it's 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 a it's a fungus based. It's a man-made layering, and um, it's there's also a big thing about how oh, it's like the anti-vax or anti-GMOs or in, anti anybody messing with my food or whatnot gets involved in it and not understanding the process because it, it is a man-made 
fermented brewed process it's and uh, that can be very scary for people to, to to kind of understand the concept of and i'll admit when you look at the process and you look at all the structure of it it's not exactly appetizing you know, but no um but it's it from a protein source i i not to um you know just totally you know uh, spoiler or whatnot it's I don't think that it's it's the same as oh twice is as amazing as milk, but I do think that it's it's a, it, it would be a great substitute for those who can't have milk protein or, or those who are, are vegetarian and uh, vegan based and are looking for more products and amino acid uh, acid protein synthesis and things like that in their diet. I mean, it's a good thing. I mean, it's great. I just um, watching the development of how one one study presentation at a conference in Prague. Uh, evolves to the news articles that yeah. it has come out of it i just find it kind of i always find it interesting to watch megan do you have anything as groundbreaking as that <laughs> well most of my reading lately has been more leisure reading and a book i just finished reading it's one of the most powerful books i've ever read it's called the tattooist of auschwitz it was fantastic and honestly that book probably made me cry more during and after than anything i have probably ever read it was unreal so that is more of a per obviously a personal book professionally i mean i have been reading a lot of different i found a lot of really good bloggers on twitter who specialize in social media marketing so i've been implementing a lot of their tips it has really helped me in terms of building my following on instagram because that is kind of where my focus has shifted. On Facebook, I mean, it's pretty obvious Facebook has been terrible lately, but there are tricks to make things a little more effective, even though, I mean, my past launch, Facebook was terrible. So I've been doing a lot of that. I started Greg Knuckles' um, Definitive Guide to Squatting. Mm -hmm. So I've been reading that a bit, and I've kind of, I've been watching a lot more web webinars versus reading. I guess just to give my eyes a break. So over the past couple of weeks, I've been diving into a trainer's toolbox and I watched Tony Gentilcore's webinar, Sarah Duvall's and uh, Sam Spinelli's. So I plan on finishing those. And I mean, I do read, I guess. I mean, I get a lot of different, whether or not it's real or fake news on Twitter. I followed a lot during the World Cup, a lot of the stuff that was going on with that. I guess, I mean, just a lot of different things. I think what there's a really good takeaway from this <clears throat> is that we can often, and I can be guilty of this, I'm getting better, <coughs> reading, 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 absorbing in order to not write or create or, or that side of stuff. But also you can just... Now it's a therapy session. Thanks, yeah. Andrew. Yeah. So true, man. Like I'm serious. No, I, I'm I, yeah, nail on the head. I'm just saying, go ahead. Please yeah. continue. It's a therapy session. I'm going to listen. He reads way too many books. And you can also just get caught in this loop of consuming just books for the sake of consuming books. I could also definitely do that. But what Megan's done there is just surgically going and get the, getting things that you need that will help you. And then I think if we can be more selective about going and grabbing the stuff that is most pertinent to our career success, personal success, whatever... And it's also okay to, to absorb things that are just recreational for fun because you should really be a more well-rounded person to talk to well, your Speaking um, of that, I don't know if this is true or not. It was on Twitter. I was reading about how they're apparently trying to implement or make the keto diet mandatory in the U.S. Army. I don't know if anybody else saw this. 
Ah, that's terrifying. Holy shit. That, no, I have not seen that. I, I, I believe I saved it, so I'll send it to you, but I believe they're trying to make the keto diet mandatory in the U.S. Army. You should do it in jail. That's make it so much cheaper. Terrifying. Uh, yeah, that was one of the kind of random articles that I, I kind of scanned, and then I saved it to read later, and I have yet to read it. Yikes. Well, I mean... There's a lot of fucked up shit going down south of the border. Then again, we get some weird shit up here too. So I mean, does this stuff really surprise me that much? No. No, it's awesome. I love that. Like, <laughs> it's a great world to live in because you get exposed <laughs> to this shit all the time, and like you don't even know if it's real or not because it literally could be real. Like that article might be fake, but at this point in time, like it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Yeah, you... I need to see the source. I can't remember the actual source of the article. Uh, I talked to someone the other day, and they were just like, I'm so bored. And I'm like, bored? How? How can you be bored? Like, of all the things that someone can be in this world right now, I'm like, you're bored? How? I don't even understand. I get caught, like, looking, and this is bad, because I talked about how I need to get off my phone. But even this morning, I was on, I don't know, you know when you click on Facebook and there's a video, and then another video comes after that? There was this one where they're just, like, telling jokes to each other, and they're trying not to laugh. It was just so awesome. Just like that shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I've seen that. And it's just like, it, you can't be bored. There's too much shit. It's almost like there's too much stuff that like I need to stop watching it because I'm going down the same thing that people think about politics are. I'm getting done. Yeah, that's me on Twitter. Yeah. Tw- Twitter used to be the only way to do it, though. And at least it was like you were reading. <laughs> but you want to know something. Since Facebook has become pretty poor, I shifted my focus to Twitter. Yeah. So I kind of, I've grown my audience on there. People really engage with me on there. And yeah. I know that I have sold products to people from Twitter. So it has become a really useful platform. But I also, I mean, I mainly do use it to read. And like I, a lot of different fitness professionals, uh, social media marketers, news. I do follow a lot of different sports broadcasters, stuff like that. So, I mean, I could waste hours on there if I'm not careful. Yeah. I've been using Twitter lately to create a really good, like, post. So say something really, like, like valuable, legitimately valuable, and then take that screenshot of it. Like, there's a lot of people in our industry who do this, and it looks great. And then I go and post it on Instagram and on Facebook. His one this morning was, like, it's okay to, like, listen to a lot of books, but sometimes it's cool just to watch some videos. That wasn't what I said at all. Yeah. Uh, but it, funny enough, and then of course, that just the way the graphic looks, it blows up on Facebook, especially if the content is good, and Instagram yes. people respond to it. And I got one like on my Twitter because I have no followers. But what about? It. Wait, did you post from? Or so you originally shared it on Twitter? Yes. Screenshotted it and then posted yeah. it on Facebook. Yeah, just look at it. You'll oh, see okay. it looks. It looks great. It Andrew actually looks awesome. Andrew like Andrew's awesome because this is like the best. Is that like what people were doing was they were having fake Twitter things and they were making it up. Andrew actually went and did real Twitter and screenshotted it. <laughs> but it's I so much better that way because it's because then you can double dip. Well, no, you can do it on Facebook too and on Instagram. For me, in terms of gaining followers and in terms of being my most popular posts, the quote posts are always the most popular. Hmm. And yeah. I had the one, and I think it's funny. I don't know if Nick Tumanello he got his idea from my post. Do you remember his video of the squat, kind of more like the hinge squat, or like the kettlebell swing? One was more kind of like a squat hinge, and then the other was a pure hinge. Okay, no, I didn't see that. So I made a post. It it was, so, it was, I guess, a bit black and white, and I do try to steer clear of the black and white statements. Hmm. But I said, I can't remember my exact words. I think I said, 
the kettlebell swing is a hip hinging movement, not a squatting movement. I agree. That, I didn't see that. Yeah, exactly. So my post on Instagram, I mean, it blew up. It, I mean, I'm not like I'm that popular on there. So I got over 1,100 likes. And wow. I mean, for me, that is a lot. It got me 33 new followers. The stats, I think it reached over 30,000 people from this one post. So Nick's video, it was really good. He did it on Facebook. It was a, um, a pure hinge, like a kettlebell swing that was a pure hinge. The second, and I even said, I commented below, and I said it was still a hinge, but it was slightly more, like more quads were involved. So I argued, or I don't say I argued, but I said how both were still hinges, but the one involved a little bit more quads. So I do think what I said is true. I mean, you see people squat their kettlebell swings all the time. And I mean, they might incorporate an upright row or what have you. And that is what I was talking about, what you don't want to do. You do need your hips, obviously, to be involved and to be the main driver. Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, swings especially is best done as a hinge movement. And if you're going to squat, I mean, squat, do, do a squat movement. Don't do a ballistic, uh, like something flinging around squat movement, right? I think it's that was some great imagery that yeah, you just I, I, this is this is <laughs> where it usually goes to is just like we all have like our brains go to stupid places. Well, the, that's well, what I was I was thinking the same thing, which is means the, that the Shannon Gray episode we had recently ended up in some terrible, terrible places. It was awful, like just oh my god. She, was, t- she was talking about some TED talk where they were fisting pigs or something, Jesus and like that, what? that's well, they weren't. They were trying to like impregnate a pig, and she, I don't even know how he got there. But it was a TED talk about that. I didn't know, like, like I didn't know what hellacious or whatever. I didn't <laughs> know what she was talking about, and then she explained it to me. I <laughs> Like, I feel like maybe it's better that I'm in the dark for a lot of these things. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, that escalated quickly. Yeah, the yeah, title exactly. of our episode should be hellacious. Yeah, so that should be the title of today's episode. Look, you know what? Look, Dee, tell her what I wrote down. Hellaciousness is the name of the title. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, like, I'm okay asking. I don't give a fuck if I don't know what hellacious means. Like, some people... I'm not entirely have... sure it's a word, by the way. <laughs> it <laughs> is a word. It is. I'm sure it is. Well, yeah, I'm almost positive, And I think, like, it's hell... And outrageous combined. I'm. I'll look it up after, but I'm pretty sure that's, that's what it means. Well, most people won't ask that question, and they won't ever know. They'll just like use it wrong, and then they'll look like an idiot. So at least I was like, I don't even know what that means. Dean, I think oh, I looked it up. Sword for your audience. Nope. Yeah, I just exactly. looked it up, you guys. Yeah. Hellacious. It is a word. Very great. Bad or overwhelming. What? And then the sentence: There was this hellacious hailstorm. Yeah, we're right. We're, you guys were on track. Yeah, we're, we're, we're in the we're in the band. <laughs> I like the better like hell and and something combined. I, I think Dean's history of concussions is probably the real problem here. That's a, I'm gonna. I bet there's a lot of people that agree with me on that. I I, I think that you're a noble man in yeah. your field for what you're doing. You're yeah. asking the hard questions. And the I questions. think that was the only that. That's Don't the, let him give you a hard time. Before we wrap up, like that, that that's the reason why we got to start. He's going to break out on his own, and he's going to be rivaling Rogan. What people <laughs> don't realize is that maybe I asked that to like break the ice, so that the podcast isn't complete shit. Do you ever think about that? Oh yeah. no. <laughs> okay. Let's tell people where. <laughs> let's tell people where to find. Silence was telling Lee. there. Andrew was telling. <laughs> <laughs> let's tell everybody where to find you guys uh, if they want to follow you or consume more of your stuff. So, start with Megan. Probably the easiest place to find me. You can go to my website, megancallawayfitness.com. 
or I spend most of my time on Instagram in terms of social media. So Megan Calloway. And yeah, you can find me on leapill.com. Just Google leapill, L-E-I-G-H-P-E-L-E. It's 10, 10, 10 letters. People have a hard time with it, I know, but it's 10 <laughs> letters. I think you can do it. You Google me, you'll find me. I'm trying to think who's been the guest. That was the hardest, hardest <laughs> name to spell we've ever had. And I'm thinking John Romanello is probably up there. Who else have we oh, had? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Peeled yeah. is coffee, Kelly Coffee, because it's not spelt properly. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Because I try to look oh, I- I was going to say with me, all A's, like the golf yeah. company. It, actually, as I was writing this, it tried to autocorrect your last name to an O. Callaway always, is. yes. Yeah, so people you, always spell it that it's way. A golf so company, right? All A's, like the golf company. Yeah, yeah. Like, that should be, yeah, okay. Well, we've, uh, we've run long, but uh, this was fun. This was actually super. Really appreciate you both coming on, and we will see you guys in September. And I hope that anyone who... Not just Edmonton people, but anyone from the surrounding area who is looking for a conference to travel to, we're going to try to make this a really fun, educational, but also interpersonal event. You'll get to hang out with everybody. Uh, if you have any questions about it, you know, shoot me a message or Guido a message and we can answer them uh, if you're interested. And again, thanks for being on here. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate being on. Yeah, me too. See you guys. Shut up and sit down.